Welcome back, everybody, as always, to Unbashful. As always, I'm your host, Nicholas Doucette, and I'm excited for another week and another opportunity for me to sit in front of this mic and in front of this camera. And ladies and gentlemen, we have an exciting episode this week. We're going to be discussing a lot of movie news, a lot of things going on in the film fandom community, and we're going to kick it off with the first topic being the Moon Knight ratings. So Moon Knight comes out towards the end of this month and a lot of the critics and a lot of the people that have uh, large platforms and a large following, they've been given the, um, the chance to see the first four episodes early and the reviews so far are pretty favorable. Like they're, they're pretty positive and, um, I'll actually read some of the reviews here, uh, get them up here. Uh, and this comes from the direct. Now, the first review here we got from Thomas. Uh, actually, here that's we got Sab Astley of Collider. He called the project brilliantly bonkers, dark globe trotting adventure. Uh, it goes on to say he compared it to Nicholas's Cage's film National Treasure. We've heard a lot of the uh, comparisons to films like that, films like Indiana Jones. Um, those are great comparisons. Those are fantastic films. And that's pretty interesting to hear a comparison like that to a Marvel film. That's not really something we've heard before. Uh, moving on, we have Thomas Storai. Hopefully I pronounced your name correctly, Thomas. Um, and he comes from the future of The Force. And he said, Oscar Isaac delivers a mesmerizing performance in the series. He further adds, psychological thriller with a touch of Indiana Jones, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, next up, we got what's on Disney plus called the show. Excellent. While praising Oscar Isaac's fantastic performance. Great. Uh, next up, we got streamer Mo from streamer news. Uh, he went on to say he only found one single reference to the MCU. That's pretty significant because we all know that this is a shared cinematic universe. And because of that, they often will reference things that have happened, things that have taken place in the grand cosmos of the MCU. But apparently we aren't, uh, or at least in the first four ep episodes, there is no mention of Avengers, other galactic beings, other superheroes. So far, we have none of that. Uh, you know, some people will really enjoy that. Uh, some people want a more separate kind of, character almost like what we're seeing with warner brothers and the batman we're seeing the batman isn't tied to the dceu and it's had so much success i don't think that necessarily has to be the case for marvel um the way they have structured the mcu is is just proven to be a successful formula and i don't think that they plan on shying away from that anytime soon and i'm sure in episodes five and six those final two uh, we'll definitely hear about some of the other characters in the MCU. We might even see another character in the MCU. I know that there have been some rumors floating around that we may see Bruce Banner pop up uh, as obviously um, uh, the Hulk, or maybe not in full-on Hulk form, but there have been reports that he is going to be in the show. You know, he's starting to seem like he's taking the leadership role of the Avengers um, and actually, before doing this podcast, I saw John Campia was discussing um, uh, a report where Benedict Cumberbatch directly said in, in, a, in an interview, he was, you know, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not going to go over the, the whole uh, quote, but in a nutshell, he basically said that 
I'm not an Avenger. I never have been. I've just helped them. I've been a part of uh, some of the um, conflicts, but he's never actually been an Avenger, and he's certainly not the head of the Avengers uh, for, for, for that matter. So then that kind of begs a question, as they talked about on the John Campia show, that, well, they asked, well, you know, who is going to lead the Avengers, right? Um, and for me, it's starting to seem like Bruce Banner might be taking that uh, head honcho, if you will, role of the Avengers. Um, I mean, we've, we've been seeing him pop up in multiple projects recently. Obviously, we saw him at the end of Shang-Chi um, with Wong and Captain Marvel. I, I think he... I think he was. I think he looked at. He he had that line that I really really liked when he looked at Chung, and he said, uh, "You know, welcome to the circus, right? Essentially, you know, welcome to." I don't know if he was referencing the Avengers, but I think he he might have meant the Avengers, or he might have just meant like you know, welcome to this, you know, different kind of world you're a part of now. Now that you're a superhero, right? Uh, but we've been seeing him in a lot of things, and also he's going to be co-starring in She-Hulk. Uh, he'll definitely be having that leadership role in that show. And uh, there's even reports that Daredevil might show up as well. We'll have to wait and see. Um, don't want to get sidetracked here. Um, and yeah, like I mentioned in the beginning, critics have already seen the first four episodes, which is very, very surprising because all these other MCU uh, shows that have come out previously, like WandaVision, Loki, Falcon, and Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, Usually, you know, the first two episodes were uh, screened to critics that were lucky, lucky, excuse me, lucky to have the privilege of getting early access to these uh, shows. But the fact that they're showing four, to me, screams they are extremely confident in this project. Not that they weren't confident in the others. I'm sure they were. I mean, they put hundreds of millions of dollars into these MCU shows. But the fact that they are letting critics see the first four episodes... That's like 75% of the show that critics have already seen. If they're going to do the episode, the uh, weekly episodic sort of schedule with one episode coming up per week, that means the critics who have seen it earlier are basically going to have to wait a month, uh, like five weeks till they see a new episode, right? So then that kind of begs the question, are they going to do two episodes a week or are they going to throw everything out? All six episodes on release. I highly doubt that. Um, but then again, critics have already seen 75% of this show. So it's 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 an interesting topic of conversation to have. If I had to put my money on it, I would probably say we're only going to get the one episode per week. But you never know. Uh, so that's it for the Moon Knight ratings. I'm super excited. We've, we've had the Batman, the Dark Knight, if you will. And uh, now we're having Moon Knight. So uh, for those of you who keep up with my podcast, you will know how excited I've been for this project. Everybody across the board, you have Ethan Hawke, who's a fantastic actor. I mean, if anybody hasn't seen, uh, oh God, I'm drawing a blank. I always draw a blank on this podcast. Training Day. Training Day. If anybody has, hasn't seen Training Day, that was the film uh, that introduced me to Ethan Hawke, uh, and he's been in, in many other great films as well. The Sunset Trilogy, I think. The uh, I haven't seen them, but I've, I've heard great things about the room. It's like that trilogy of him meeting that woman from Paris, and they ended up like they end up spending the rest of their lives together. I don't entirely know, but I've heard really good things about that. Uh, he's been in a lot of other good films like uh, Sinister. 
So Ethan Hawke and obviously Oscar Isaac, dude's a hell of an dude's a hell of an actor. Um, and I'm sure everybody else will be great as well. So yeah, those are my thoughts on Moon Knight. Let me know what you guys think. Do you guys think we're going to? Do you guys think we're going to see a restructure in terms of how they release these episodes? Let me know. Uh, topic number two. There's been a lot of discussion I, I, about the Batman, but I, I sort of feel like the Batman hype has kind of died down a little bit. I feel like most people have, you know, had the chance to see the film. If you're like me, you've seen the film multiple times. I've seen it now three times. I saw it again, uh, I want to say last week, um, and I, I've just enjoyed it. Every I've enjoyed it even more every single viewing, right? Which I didn't think that was going to happen just because it is a three-hour film. I definitely didn't think I was going to enjoy it less, but I just thought, you know, I'll just enjoy it. It's Batman. It's it's Robert Pattinson. He's my favorite actor in Hollywood. But no, I actually really, really have um, a different... I've had a different experience every time watching this film. The second time I saw it with my friend Zach, uh, the third time I just saw it by myself, it was like a Thursday night. And I had nothing else to do. Had a gift card to Cineplex, which is the theaters, uh, the theater chain here in Canada, um, and I just wanted to go see it. So, and I, I loved it. And I, I honestly might go see it a fourth time, but I'll probably try and go see it with somebody I know who hasn't seen it. But anyways, uh, forget all that. I'm not here to talk about how many times I've seen the film. Uh, what my point was is that the hype is going down, but now the conversation and the focus is starting to shift from this film, the Batman to the next film, the sequel. And a lot of people, you know, in the, for lack of a better term, nerd community, I am, of course, I consider myself a part of that community, essentially just diehard fans of uh, comic book characters. A lot of people, myself included, are under the general impression that the villain for the next sequel in uh, this what we assume to be a trilogy, uh, is going to be Mr. Freeze. We we are under the impression that Mr. Freeze will, in fact, be the villain for the sequel, whatever they decide to call it, Batman Two. Uh, I don't think I don't think they would call that call it that rather. Um, and you know, if you would have asked me a year ago, you know, Mr. Freeze in this version of Batman that Matt in this sort of world that Matt Reeves is building up, you know, Matt Reeves has mentioned many, many times in, in interviews and uh, articles that he wants to make the most grounded version of Batman we've ever seen. We've seen, you know, obviously Christian Bale, that's ultra realistic, very, very grounded, but nothing quite to the, to the point of this, right? So then when you mention Mr. Freeze and in the same breath of saying, well, you want to keep this world grounded, well, it, it's it's kind of hard to do that, right? Or at least that was my first thoughts. But then uh, there's been a lot of interviews since then, and Matt Reese has discussed it. You know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said that basically he wants to try and take the most you know fantastical characters in the Rose Gallery of villains in the Batman comics and try and find a grounded version of those characters and. He mentioned how he believes that there is a grounded version out there of Mr. Freeze. And you know what? If, if he says it, the guy is a genius. I trust him. And if you really kind of break down Mr. Freeze as a character, and I'll be honest, I'm not extremely familiar with Mr. Freeze. I've just go, gone off of, you know, things I've I've watched and heard. Uh, 
you know, roughly the things that I've heard about him is that he was a scientist and, um, and his wife had some kind of, uh, you know, physiological or, or, or rather physical, uh, illness. And he tried to cure her by like, you know, freezing her or whatever. Uh, and I guess the sort of lines of morality and ethics, he probably, you know, crossed those lines, I guess, in the process. And that's inevitably what attracted, uh, Batman to come to stop him. That's a very vague, you know, broad and probably not a completely correct description of the character. That's just the surface level information that I know about the character. So, but just that, just the baseline material that I just mentioned, you know, if you really break it down, I do believe that there is a way that Matt Reeves can, uh, can definitely find a, a way to do that character justice in his world of the Batman. Now, another reason why my initial thoughts were like, oh, like, I don't know how you're going to be able to do Mr. Freeze in this world is because I only had one sort of, um, you know, memory to pull from when it came to that character. And that was obviously Arnold's version of Mr. Freeze from the Joel Schumacher films, the very campy Batman uh, film, you know, borderline Adam West Batman film with all the, you know, the funny goofs and gags and uh, so that's the only version of the character that I've seen in live action. Of course, there's there's been many great versions of him in the animated uh, films and shows. But if I put that aside and I kind of use my imagination, I do believe that we can definitely see a grounded uh, version of that character. Now, I got some uh, you know candidates. It means nothing. These are just my personal hopes uh you know it's it's fun to do stuff like that it's fun to theorize about who could get the role we have no idea for all we know they might already have casted mr freeze you know four months ago right who knows um we're not behind the closed doors at warner brothers but these are just you know my my picks you know it really means nothing but for the sake of this conversation fuck it let's do it uh so i got willem dafoe now Obviously, I want to see Willem Dafoe as the Joker, but it seems like they're going with, spoilers, Barry Keegan, uh, who I, th- I think is a great actor and I think he'll kill it as a Joker, but that means Joker uh, is is now a uh, is now taken, so Willem Dafoe, who, who else could he play in, in Batman? I think he could play Mr. Freeze. Uh, then I got Benicio del Toro. Benicio del Toro, when when he's in, if you've seen films like Sicario, he has this like kind of face. You know what I mean? Like this serious, intimidating, frightening. Like I'm going to hurt you kind of face. And I think that would just be perfect for for this kind of universe. Then I got Mads Mikkelsen, who's going to be Grindelwald, taking over the reins for Johnny Depp in light of all the controversy going on with him and Amber Heard. I think he would be a great Mr. Freeze. And then uh, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, I, hopefully I pronounced that right. Uh, for those of you who have not seen um, Breaking Bad, he is one of the antagonists in that show. Once again, similar to Benicio Del Toro, he has a very, uh, he, he, he can do a lot of menacing facial expressions. Uh, just very, just chaotic, psychotic you know, looks, uh, looks to him. So I think he would be a great Mr. Freeze as well. Um, but let me know what you guys think. Uh, do you guys think we're going to see the Joker in the second film? I mean, 
you know, it's it's up for debate, and uh, we really don't know too much yet. There's not much information. I mean, obviously, the Batman is still in theater, so it's not like they've even began pre-production for the next film, right? And obviously, um, Barry Keegan, as the Joker, was introduced in that last uh, little sec, little snippet towards the end of the film. And for me, I had no problem with it. I'm seeing a lot of people complain that they don't want to see the Joker. Um, and to that, I say, it's Batman. Like, what do you really expect? Do you expect them to do three movies with Robert Pattinson and just not even at least reference the Joker? For, for, forget even having him in the film. You don't, you, you don't even want that to happen. Or expect it to. I find that utterly ridiculous. And for me, yeah, we have Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. But for me, he doesn't even really feel like Joker. It feels more of like a character study about somebody who has had a very traumatic life. And has been invisible to people. And hasn't had the resources or any support to help him. And he... Obviously has the face makeup and all that. But I don't really think of him as the Joker. Yes, he's the Joker. When I think of the Joker, I think of... Sorry, Heath Ledger. Sorry. I think of Heath Ledger. I think of Jack Nicholson. I even think of Jared Leto. You know, as a lot as funny and as, you know, as archaic... Um, or chaotic, rather, as his approach may have been. I think of him uh, as the Joker. I'm not saying he's a better Joker than Joaquin Phoenix, not at all. I'm just saying when I think of the Joker, those are the three guys that I really think of as like the pure Joker, whereas Joaquin Phoenix, more of a character study of a broken individual who just caves in. Um, That's really what I think of when I think of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. So I don't have a problem with seeing the Joker in any of these films, and I actually hope they do it, and, like, let's just say we got the trilogy, and they honored the request of many of these fans who have been saying, I don't want to see the Joker, I don't want to see the Joker, and I also understand some people, not everybody is saying that, some people are saying, I don't want to see him yet, that's fair, I can respect that, but there's a lot of people out there saying they just don't want to see him right now, uh, or or at all in this uh, universe, and, you may feel that way right now, but what if they do three films with Robert Pattinson? And I don't know, let's play a hypothetical here. Let's say they do Mr. Freeze and they finish off with, uh, I don't know, a different take on Bane, right? For the third film. Let's say let's say they do that, okay? Aren't you going to look back and say, hmm, would have been really cool if we got to see Robert Pattinson as Batman go against a Joker in this universe. Wouldn't that be cool? And then you would have been eating your words at that point. So for me, I have no problem seeing the Joker. Uh, and obviously we have, we were introduced to him in uh, Arkham Asylum as he was talking to the Riddler. Um, and as for when we're going to see him, I don't think he's going to be the main antagonist of the second film. I believe we will possibly see him at the very least i think we'll get a reference to him we might see him again it might be a a a subtle cameo like we got in the first film here Um, but i do believe that in this new arkham asylum series that they're doing i do think we will see 
him significantly in that as well. A good way to sort of build up his character because he's obviously stepping in some very, very big shoes. I mean, some fantastic actors, even for all the hate that Jared Leto gets as the character. Jared Leto is an, is an Academy Award winning actor. So very, very, very big shoes to fill. So I'm sure they want to probably plant the seed, take time to fully develop that character before we actually see him share the screen with the Batman. Uh, but I am very curious because they actually, uh, Robert, or not Robert Pattinson, Matt Reeves was discussing in detail how they actually have a deleted scene of Robert Pattinson speaking directly to uh, Barry Keegan's Joker in Arkham Asylum. So that would have been really, really cool to see. So hopefully uh, they'll, I'm sure they will uh, release that deleted scene at some point in the, in the foreseeable future. But that's enough for the Batman right now. Uh, next, we're going to move on to topic number three. Uh, we now have the trailer for Miss Marvel. Uh, I'm not going to lie. For a little while, I kind of forgot this show was coming out. Um, I haven't been very excited for it. I know she's going to be co-starring in uh, the Captain Marvel sequel. And I know, you know, the basic, you know, plot or... The basic background of the character of Miss Marvel, uh, but I do know that they changed her powers uh, for this TV series because she essentially has similar in the comics. She has similar um, capabilities to Mister Fantastic. She can kind of like you know stretch her her, her arms and her, her limbs uh, to great sort of lengths, and I think she can even like make her hand go bigger. This is coming from somebody that doesn't know a significant amount about the character, but that's just, like I said, the surface level information I know. But I'm pretty sure they made the change to make her more of like a kinetic force similar to what we saw with the Ten Rings. I think they did that on purpose to, you know, differentiate her powers from Mr. Fantastic, who we will be seeing very shortly in, I assume, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. And then also we know that the Fantastic Four are getting a fresh reboot film coming at the end of Phase 4 here in the MCU. So I'm sure that's probably why they did that. Uh, and her powers do kind of look similar. We see in the trailer, she, her, her hand gets incredibly uh, huge, um, but not in the same means as, what, as to which it was in the comics. So... But anyways, aside from her powers, let's just talk about the trailer itself. Um, for me, I thought the trailer was okay. Uh, to be honest, I thought it was kind of underwhelming. Um, most people seem to really like it, and I'm happy for those people. If you if you really, really like it and you're really, really excited, I'm happy for you because I love the MCU and I want the MCU to succeed. But for me, this trailer didn't really do it for me. Uh it kind of looks like a coming of age story in, in a comic book film, which isn't something new. I mean, we, we've seen that with Spider-Man many of times, but I don't know. I'm going to need to see more before I'm really excited for this. As of right now, like I'm curious, I'm going to watch it, uh, but I'm not, you know, blown away. Uh, and I'm certainly not going to be counting down the days until the, the show premieres. So um, those are kind of just my general General thoughts. Uh, I don't think it looked bad, but I don't think it looked, you know, like anything special. Uh, moving on. Uh, topic number four, we got our first behind the scenes look at Oppenheimer. Um, part of me here. Check the time. Yeah, so I've talked about this film a lot. It's, it's 
quickly becoming my most anticipated film uh, of next year. And they it looks like they've begun shooting. And we have our first behind-the-scenes look uh, it, from, from what it looks, you know, in the photos. It looks like uh, Matt Damon and Killian Murphy as Oppenheimer. And I forget... Uh, I forget the character that, or the person, I guess, because this is a biopic. I forget the person that Matt Damon is performing. I know it's some kind of head, uh, head of military that worked very, very closely with J. Robert Oppenheimer on the Manhattan Project. Um, it looks like they're almost um, like I, I can't quite tell what's happening in the photo. They're they're on this sort of uh, like stage, and it, it looks like uh, Matt Damon's character is sort of approving almost like a like a bill you know like, like it almost looks like a bill has passed to work on the you know the atomic bomb or something i don't know that probably will be wrong but it just looks like they're celebrating something significant some decision being made cuz they're sort of like holding this plaque it looks like with this you know text it's obviously very hard to make out what it is cuz it's the picture was taken from from afar um that's sort of like my speculation as to what's happening in the photo. And then you see behind them, uh, there's a bunch of flags uh, from different countries and so on. So I'm not quite sure. Uh, but in the photo, we obviously see Killian Murphy. We see Matt Damon. And then actually further to the left, you see Emily Blunt, who we know is going to be playing uh, Robert Oppenheimer's wife. Um, and then yeah, just looking at Killian Murphy, you could tell he has lost a lot of weight. He looks incredibly skinny. Uh, and obviously that was on purpose because if, if, if you just Google photos of uh, Oppenheimer, he's a relatively thin person, you know, not really, uh, not very broad, not very muscular. I mean, the guy was a scientist. I don't really think he cared about, you know, picking up dumbbells, uh, but he's a, he's a relatively slender individual and you could definitely tell Killian Murphy uh, lost a lot, lost some, lost some weight to prepare for this role. He almost looks dehydrated. Uh, which is, once again, I think that's what he was intending on doing to sort of get that sunken look to him. Um, not that, you know, Oppenheimer had any, you know, eating disorders or anything of that, you know, that realm. But uh, yeah, as, as each photo for this film releases, it just gets me further and further and further uh, excited, or I guess more excited that that would be the, the proper way to put it. Um, and I think it comes out in summer of next year. And there's been some speculation about this film as to, could it be black and white? Um, I am not against that at all. Now, for some people, that can be a problem. Uh, me personally, I don't have an issue with it. I think it all kind of depends on what film you're doing. Like if we got a black and white Avengers movie, I wouldn't want that. I don't think anybody else would. But for the sake of this, you know, it's a period piece of, uh, you know, a, a part of history that took place during the Second World War. So I think it's fitting. Um, and I think that'd be a very interesting choice because we've never seen Killiam or uh, Christopher Nolan direct a film black and white. But then again, he directed Dunkirk. That was also a film that took place in uh, world one of the world wars. So, you know, he could have easily made that black and white as well. Um, why do I think this? Some people are speculating it because of that very first photo they showed of Killian Murphy and how um, that photo was released in black and white. I don't know. That that could just be me reaching. They could have just released the photo in black and white, right? I don't know. I think 
I think it would be pretty cool if the, if this film was in black and white, but that's just me. And next, uh, I've had this conversation with a couple of people. I've talked about do, you know, do you guys think Christopher Nolan is going to drop an actual atomic bomb for this film? It wouldn't surprise me, right? And I'm pretty sure they're filming this film in New Mexico. And if my memory serves me correctly, that is where the actual Manhattan Project was taking place. Uh, but I could be wrong about that. Um, does that mean they're going to drop an atomic bomb? No. Uh, they'll definitely have to find the space to do it. Uh, and, you know, now, now that I'm really, really thinking about it, Christopher Nolan has, do- has done some bold practical effects with, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the, the plane and the airport sequence and tenant, but this is kind of, I don't know, this might be pushing it because this presents a ton of liabilities, obviously for the production, for the crew, but also anybody that could be around this area. I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably unlikely, but if it's possible and there's a way they could do it without harming anybody, uh, cause at the end of the day, you don't want, you don't want to see anybody get hurt. Uh, obviously we've, we, we saw what happened with Alec Baldwin, that tragic incident. Um, so we don't want to see that. And in any way, anybody getting harmed on a set, we don't want to see that happen again, especially on a scale like this with an atomic bomb. So now that I really kind of, you know, look down the line here, it's probably unlikely, but if they could do it safely, I hope they do. Cause I think that would be insane because we've seen that same, atomic bomb mushroom cloud sequence in so many films it'd be nice to see it for real but i don't know if that's gonna happen um So moving on, we got topic number five, and uh, this is about Jared Leto in regards to Morbius. Um, he basically came out and confirmed that he uh, would love to have, you know, to share the screen with Tom Holland as Spider-Man. He was asked a question directly. Um, I'll actually pull it up here. And it basically confirmed what, you know, myself and I think most of the fan community probably guessed, uh, you know, there was speculation, are we going to see him, uh, is his universe the Toby universe of Spider-Man? Is his universe the Andrew Garfield version of Spider-Man? Or is it uh, Tom Holland's? And to be fair, the trailers have, you know, sort of misled us, if you will. Uh, we've seen the Oscorp Tower from Andrew Garfield. And then uh, we've seen the poster on that wall, literally a direct snapshot of Toby Maguire's Spider-Man. So... It is fair to be confused, and I was confused as well, but I always kind of believed that they were going to set him up for Tom Holland. It just makes sense. They're they're developing, you know, the catalog of Spider-Man villains, and they even have a, a Madam Web movie coming out, so it's only fitting. We know that that's probably going to happen. And it still doesn't mean that we won't see him go up against one of the older Spider-Man, but I think the main kind of goal that they're building to is you know, eventually to have Tom and uh, Tom Holland's version of Spider-Man and Jared Leto as Morbius share the screen together. But let me actually pull up uh, this quote here. Spider-Man, Jared Leto talks Spider-Man. 
Okay. Um, right. So, okay, this comes from Pink Villa. And uh, basically the headline just reads, Jared Leto says he's confident that Morbius will fight Tom Holland's Spider-Man in a future film. So he didn't even actually say, oh, it would be cool. He's saying like he's confident. And when he says he's confident, he knows it's going to happen. He's just, you know, public relations, right? PR, he's media trained. He knows not to spill the beans. Um, he's basically confirming it. We all kind of knew it, uh, but that basically just kind of puts the... Uh, nail in the coffin on that subject. Um, and I, you know, that's obviously exciting and interesting. But that kind of transitions me to sort of a next point of discussion. And that's just in regards to the sort of Sony universe that, you know, Sony is developing separate from the MCU. They're, they're doing these solo, you know, villain, you know, anti-hero films uh, and, and they're all doing films for, obviously, some of the most popular Spider-Man villains in the comics. Obviously, Venom. We know Craven the Hunter is coming up as well. Which, actually, they've been doing some pretty big casting from that. They cast... They just casted... Uh, I forget her name. I think it's... Uh, something DeBose. She just got nominated for, for uh, Best Supporting Actress as well. Um, I'm drawing a blank on her name. But they nominated her, or they uh, casted her. We also know Russell Crowe is going to be in the film. And then they also just casted somebody else. Uh, I, I, I don't quite remember the actor's name. I'm not too familiar with him. So we know we have Craven. We know we have uh, Morbius coming next month. Um, my only concern is that, yes, they're villains. They're, they're anti-heroes. But by Sony, okay, there's pros and cons to this, right? Let's look at the pros, okay? Sony's making these solo films for these popular Spider-Man villains. It builds the characters up. Um, sets up, you know, possible narratives that could be explored from really, really deep cuts of the comics um, that many fans probably have been wanting to see for a while. Uh... You know, what else What else can I think of? This is just all off the top of my head here. Um, I mean, obviously, it's going to make them a lot of money. You know, can't forget that. Sony's a business at the end of the day. Um, and I guess it builds towards the Sinister Six. However, I don't think that you need to do solo films for each one of the villains to build up to that. I, I, I think there's other ways you can do it. Um, but then again... I'm just a guy sitting in my room talking about movies. What do I really know, right? This is just my opinion. Uh, so take that as you will. Now, the, the the cons, I mean, like I said, my opinion. But the cons for me is that these are supposed to be villains. And by introducing them with their own solo film, because we're getting these separate arcs for these characters that don't have to do with Spider-Man yet... We're going to develop. We're we're going to develop a sense of care for these characters, and then we're not really going to see them as villains. And then when they inevitably do go up against Spider-Man, it's almost going to seem like it's it's out of character for them to be doing that, right? That's just a concern I have. I'm not saying it's going to be the reality. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm not saying you know it, it's. It, I'm not saying it isn't going to work out. For all we know, this could be a a, a huge 
hit in terms of the foundation that they're building for this universe. I think it's, I think uh, the acronym spells spunk or something like that. Uh, I don't know. Um, but who knows? Let's kind of give it some time, wait for the movies to come out. That's just a concern I have. I'm not saying that's concrete or that's, um, or, or, or that that's what it is. Like that's no, like the films haven't come out. I, I, I don't want to cast, you know, judgment, right? It's just a concern that I have. Um, but speaking of these sort of side, uh, Marvel Spider-Man universe movies, uh, we, we, I talked about on the show last episode or is it, no, it was before last episode. It was episode 20 or 21. Can't quite remember. I talked about how Dakota Johnson was cast to play Madam Web, which kind of came out of left field. For a while, I thought that film was was uh, gonna get canned, but they're they're getting ready for it, and uh, we got even more casting news now. Sydney Sweeney uh, from Euphoria, which I love Euphoria. Uh, she her character for those of you who aren't familiar, she plays Cassie in Euphoria. She's a great actress, and she is now joining the cast in a uh, in an unknown role right now, at least to my knowledge. Um, Pretty, pretty exciting news, I guess. Uh, talented uh, performer, and I can't wait to see what she brings to this film. Uh, I, I assume it's a significant role. Um, and yeah, so looking forward to it. Up next, let's see what we got here. DC Films, delayed. We got a couple films that have been delayed to 2023 and a couple films that have actually been moved to 2022 that were coming from 2023. So pretty interesting news. So here are the films that have actually been delayed. Um, just looking at a report here on Variety. So first up, we have Aquaman and the Last Kingdom, The Flash, and uh, Black Adam are being pushed. Um, let me see here if I can find the exact date. So Aquaman is being pushed to, it, it was supposed to come out December 16th, 2022. It's now instead coming up March 17th, 2023. So literally today, at, at, at this day, next year, we'll be seeing uh, the release of Aquaman 2. Well, I mean, when this episode comes out, it'll be the 20th, what are we, Thursday? Yeah, it'll, it'll be the 20th, but I'm recording this episode on the 17th. So uh, next up, The Flash was originally supposed to come out November 4th this year. It's now being pushed to June 23rd of next year. 
wow, we're not going to see this film for a while. That's like the ninth delay it's had. Um, I th now, we'll get into why I think these delays are happening. Um, sorry, Black Adam is being pushed back. It's actually going to be moving uh, closer. Um, instead, it's being pushed back three months to October 21st of this year. Um, and then it says DC League of Super Pets. I don't really give a shit about that movie. But for those of you who do, uh, that is being moved to July 29th, 2022. Uh, and then also, doesn't stop there. We have, let me see here, uh, Shazam. That is now being pushed uh, pushed up to, it was originally supposed to come out next year, June 2nd. It's now being pushed all the way to, to, to December 12th of this year. So we are going to be getting in that holiday season. Very, very exciting. Um, actually we got some more news and might as well cover it here. Uh, the Wonka movie, the upcoming Willy Wonka origin tale, uh, starring Timothy Chalamet that is now being pushed back several months. It says here on variety that was going to come out March 17th. It's now being pushed to December 15th of 2023. Not, I didn't mean March 17th of this year, 2023, but now it's being pushed up to next year's holiday season. So, and that kind of is fitting with, you know, Willy Wonka. And I'm sure they're still probably shooting that film. Uh, and then the Meg too, uh, the Trench, haven't even seen the first one. Uh, that is being, let's uh, it just says that comes out October or August 4th, 2023. So it didn't, it doesn't even say if it was being pushed back or not. Just, it just says it comes out August 4th. Maybe that's, that's the official release date that's been released. Maybe there hasn't been one officially released. So yeah, those, that's the news in regards to, uh, films being delayed and just, you know, film stuff in general. Uh, that's pretty much going to cap off the episode. Oh, right. I have one more topic here, uh, before we sign off. That is Daredevil. Ever since Daredevil was introduced into the MCU in Spider-Man No Way Home, spoilers if you haven't seen it, uh, everybody loved it, myself included. I loved his cameo in the film. Um, but us fans immediately, our greedy son-of-a-bitch selves, were asking when are we going to see Charlie Cox as Daredevil again? Because we know we're going to see him again, especially with Kingpin returning in Hawkeye. Uh, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And we've heard reports that he's he he's likely to uh, uh, appear in She-Hulk, which is kind of fitting considering the show is about a lawyer. He's a lawyer himself. Maybe he can, you know, shadow. Uh, I forget the the character's name. Bruce Banner's nephew. Maybe he could, you know, train her or whatever. Uh, so he might show up in that. But when is he going to get his own show or movie? We don't know. Uh, it seems like we might have a little hint to when that could possibly happen here. So this report comes from IGN. The headline says Daredevil reboot reportedly set to begin production as Disney plus uh, MCU series. That's kind of unfortunate to hear. I honestly, I think Charlie Cox's version of Daredevil can easily stand on its two feet firmly and make a compelling solo film. Obviously, we had the one with Ben Affleck. I haven't even seen that one. I think Bullseye was the antagonist, played by Colin Farrell. Not entirely sure, though. Uh, I'm just going to read a little quote from the article. Uh, yeah, this comes straight from the article written by Joe Scrubbles. Hopefully, I pronounced that correctly. Oh, where did it go? 
Where did it go? Um, the show is listed as a Disney Plus series currently in development with head of Marvel Studios Kevin Feige and Chris Gary. Marvel's, uh, it says Marvel's behind the mask. Essentially, you know, those are the two guys running the whole thing mentioned as producers, which is, you know, no surprise there. Uh, continues on to say, no timing is given for when the show would begin production. However, nor which actors would be involved. Obviously, we know Charlie Cox would be involved, but would the actor uh, who played uh, Foggy, I think that was his name, would he return to this? Uh, Would the actress who played um, Karen, I can't even remember. I've only seen the first season of of Daredevil. I'm I'm still watching it right now. It's been a couple weeks since I've seen it though, so I'm going to sound like a jackass for forgetting their names, but will they return? Um... I don't think so. I, I think this is, I mean, it, it says in the headline, reboot. We could see them. Th- they themselves, those characters, if they decide to bring them back, they could be rebooted as well with the same actors, but I don't know. I think it's one thing to bring back Charlie Cox and call it a reboot, but to bring back all the other actors and the same characters and still try and call it a reboot, I think it's going to be kind of hard for audiences to get behind that. They're just going to look at it as a continuation of the Netflix version of Daredevil. Uh, But anyways, guys, that is going to conclude today's episode today. Uh, Kind of a shorter one, but I hope you guys enjoyed. Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. What's your thoughts on this? And what are you excited for in the film and television world? What are your kind of big films you're really looking forward to since we've had, you know, the Batman and Spider-Man now? Uh, There's a lot of really, really big films to look forward to. Obviously, Doctor Strange, uh... Um, I, I would say The Flash, but that got pushed to next year. But we still have, you know, Thor, Love, and Thunder, which oh, once once that trailer gets released, f- people are going to go crazy. I'm speaking like I've seen it. I haven't. But I'm very confident that once they release that first trailer, which honestly could be any day or week now, I feel like we're, we're definitely due to see that soon. So, uh, and I will cover it here, of course, on the podcast once that releases. But yeah, we have that, and then um, do we have any more, aside from Moon Knight, do we have any more Disney Plus shows coming this year? She-Hulk, uh, and I think that might be it, maybe Secret Invasion, I think that might come out the following year, next year, so we'll have to wait and see, but anyways guys, thank you very much for watching, as always, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to me, and yeah, let's have a conversation, uh, let me know down below in the comments um, about any of these films and if you're excited for any of them or any of the Disney plus shows coming up. Um, but anyways, guys, thank you so much for watching. I've said thank you like three times now. I got to go have a great day and I'll see you on episode 